Matt, Greg, thank you for leading us into God's presence this morning. That was wonderful. Um, I have the pleasure of introducing Pastor Jason. And um, I just want to say that I really appreciate the words that he's been sharing with us thus far. He started with what happens to be one of my very favorite psalms, Psalms 18. Um, is, and Pastor Jason was able to sh show his pastor's heart through that. It's wonderful. And then the next time we heard him speak, he laid the foundation and provide kind of a structure uh, through which the Holy Spirit can can come and build. Um, and so it's, it's it's been wonderful, Pastor Jason. Um, it's a bit like a, a really good book. And we're just at the beginning. And the book has not been written yet. But with that, it just introduced, reintroduced. And for those of you online, um, Pastor Jason. Very, very much. It's good to see you. How's the sound? Good, good, good. Thank you, Harrison. Harrison is fun. You know, he's just fun. Um, I want you just to know it's great to see you all. And I got to tell you, you know, man, that was an unbelievable worship service, you know. And it's not, it's not you know, it's not bad having Jimi Hendrix, you know, right next to you. You know what I mean? You know, a sanctified Jimi Hendrix, that is. You know, let's just get that straight. No, that, that was excellent. I've, I've, I was sharing with them. I've I've played guitar since I was three years old. And I, I went through this weird stage, you know, where I was a rock guy, you know. And then when I was 13 years old, I heard this rock jazz guy. And, um, and I switched completely over to jazz music. And so my friends looked at me like I was a dork, you know. Everybody else was into Sweet Home Alabama. And I'm listening to, you know, some jazz piece. But um, anyways, I love it when you, when you hear the instruments and then just a gentle heart praising God. And... That's what we experienced here today. So thank you, worship team, and all of you who helped prep. I was thinking of DJ and David and, and, uh, and then Scott up there. You guys, you know, you're committed here, and, that, and that's so important. And, and, and it helps me because part of what I do here as I take these glasses off, you know, when you lose your hair, you kind of lose perspective. You know what I mean? You know, uh, but I have my glasses on the whole time. But, but the... Um, but, Without, you know, foot soldiers, it's, you know, you can talk all you want, you know, but just the fact that you're committed here is so uh, inspiring. So thank you all, um, every single one of you. Um, I'm just going to just dive right into it because what I realize is that I preach longer than you guys are used to. So, uh, <laughs> and so I'm just going to dive in. But have you ever, um, how many ever have gone to marriage counseling? Or premarital counsel. Let me just put it this way. Okay, premarital counsel. I, you know what? I recommend it, and I also recommend marriage counseling. You know, I mean, it's a long journey, <laughs> and we're living with somebody who's flawed. And every once in a while, it's good to have someone come in who's objective and and challenge and affirm what you have going there. But there's something special about premarital counseling, and and. The reason why I won't marry anybody unless we, they have premarital counseling. And because I want them to know what they're getting themselves into. Not that I think it's a bad thing, but because uh, it's a challenge, particularly in today's age. But it's always been a challenge. Um, and, and some of the things that we do in premarital counseling, just to get to know them, 
you know, I, I, I'll ask him, what's your expectation, you know, uh, of, of marriage? You know, and where do you think this is going to go? And, and when, when you read the word of God on passages that relate to marriage, um, I mean, it's very challenging. He, and the Apostle Paul lays out in one sequence of scriptures, he just lays out expectations. Here's what you should expect. Men, you do this, right? And actually it says women, what does it say? Submit to your husbands. And, and by then, in today's age, every you know, wife who's raised in this feminist world, you know, submit, what are you talking about? Um, and, and they always forget that the next few verses are, man, all on him. In fact, the entire passage is all on him. I expect you to wash it to the word. The lover as much as you love, you know, uh, 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 Christ loved the church. Talk about a high standard. And so, so there's, there's like several different passages there afterwards. And so by, by the time you're done with that particular passage, you know, a, a, an intelligent woman would go, well, if he does that, you know, then I can understand, you know, the submit part. The problem is, is that there's a lot of women who submit and there's never a lot of men who, who follow through on what God requires them to be a great husband. And it begins to, because we're, we're fickle and we're, and we're human, but, but there are times, I think the, probably the most important times is to lay out expectations before you have a relationship. You define it. And, and, and if you go into it knowing the expectations, um, it, it helps you a little bit. It, ha- it helps you form, you know, uh, um, what realistic expectations are and what unrealistic rep- uh, expectations are. So all that to say is that I thought this morning what I would do is list out some expectations for our relationship. <laughs> and I want to start, first of all, by telling you what you should be expecting from me, not just me but anybody who pastors a church. And this is a really important thing. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to go through a list of these. And every single thing that I've said had to do with that last sermon. Um, remember I said, bring them in, build them up, train them for us, send them out. Okay? So what I'm not going to do because of our time is that I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to go through this so you, uh, and, and elaborate you know, fully on this. You'll, you'll hear me do this subsequently. Um, but I wanted just to lay out clear expectations of one another. And, and let me just tell you, here's what you can expect going forward. And, and maybe you've had this in the past, but this is the kind of church that we're going to build together. Actually, God is the one who builds the church. We're, we're just, we're servants in it. But here's what you can expect. You can, you can expect consistent biblical teaching with life application. Now, I want to stop there and do exactly what I told you I wasn't going to do, is elaborate, you know. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, we live in, as, as we all know, a very complex world. Um, and as believers who understand the word of God and, and understand the word orthodox and orthodoxy, you know, we, we are standard bearers to, you know, to present the gospel regardless of what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, transgenderism, you know, whatever it is. What does God's word have to say about any of that? And how are we going to navigate through that with biblical truth, with understanding that God's called us to a standard that brings light, 
not darkness, but light. And so I like to say that we want to become a church that um, is, is relative, or excuse me, is relevant. We want to know what's going on. We want to know what God's word has to say. We will. We'll hit on some topics. Definitely not afraid to hit on any topic. Um, but we don't want to become so relevant that we become relative. In other words, that we lose our anchor. We lose our foundation for um, truth. What is truth? What's biblical truth? What, what is the foundation of, a, of a, a movement like the Free Methodist Church, which has maintained its, its integrity for, for 150 plus years as it relates to Scripture? And so we're going to hear some consistent biblical teaching with life application. We want it to apply to your life. In this particular time, the last week too, I wanted, this is kind of like a, almost a leadership church session, a family talk, okay? Um, I, I just want to talk to who's here. And as I get to know you, you can get to know my heart a little bit more. And I appreciated, you know, what you said, Harrison, because that's what I really want you to see, uh, my heart. We are, at this point, we're building a team. We're building a teaching team. You all know I live in San Clemente. Um, pray for you all the time. Watch everything that you do. Still trying to figure out scheduling, you know, when I'm here and when I'm not here. But I can tell you this, when I'm not here, and I know I said this before, you're going to have some of the best teachers that I know of. You know, um, some of them are going to be here, and some of them are going to be online. But they are going to be, uh, um, they're going to be excellent. And not, not just because they're great communicators, but because they have a heart of God and they love people. And, and I never put anybody up here that didn't love people. Um, and, and so, uh, so just, just you'll see as, as we begin to break this out, all kinds of churches have teaching teams. Uh, gone are the days when one guy speaks for 52 weeks. That he usually bores somebody to death. Or... You know, people want to hear different voices there going the same direction. So it's very, very, very common. So that's what we're going to do here. Obviously, again, you know, we're still uh, building that process. But that's something that you're going to see, that the teachers that we bring in here aren't going to be just good. I mean, they're going to be godly men and women who love Jesus with all the heart. And you're going to be able to sense it before they even open up their mouth. And so um, I spent way too much time on that first point. Uh, second thing that you can expect here at this church is immersive God-focused worship. And I think what you just experienced here was exactly that. And, and I just, I really sense that God wants to do something in our worship service. And I would love to see a worship movement being born out of here. And so, you know, we have uh, Matt and you know and you've just done a great job um and we've been talking to harrison maybe get him up here you know every once in a while um and and just start creating i would love because we, we, we this was so good today eventually i'd love to see maybe a djembe in there or maybe a drummer or a bass player um and and begin to this worship i believe that that when we lift up the name of jesus it draws all men to and i believe we're so closely prox you know in proximity to so many people i think it's going to be a big part of who we are and so we're going to talk pray through that but it's great to have foot soldiers you know what i mean who are here that can that can help us do that and and we'll talk about what that means you know uh, um as we continue to grow together um, the third thing you can expect is authentic community and concern. 
Oh, I would say 15, 20 years ago, I quit trying to impress anybody. <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't that I didn't want them to not like me, but I just said, I'm not going to say anything that's hyperbolic. I'm not going to exaggerate on any single level. I'm just going to be who I am, warts and all. And, and that's the kind of people that we want, you know, in leadership, people who are authentic. You know, they're real people. They'll share needs. You know, I grew up in my first, my first 10 years in ministry where pastors were scared to death to even talk about what they're dealing with. Um, and so because everybody needed to see them on a pedestal. Well, you know, I'm not going to stand on a pedestal. And most, most pastors who ever, you know, last more than you know, five years in ministry, they realize you see right through us, <laughs> you know. And so just be yourself. And if you're in God's word, you know, and then you're in fellowship and you have integrity, that, that leaks out. And so what you're going to see is authentic community and concern. I, I obviously am very, I'm very concerned um, that I can't be here all the time and walk with you, you know. And so we, so we tell you what a lot of churches do. We build small groups so we can walk together. And so it's not depending on one person here. But I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to hear the good parts you know, I want to hear, I just heard that this young lady right over here a couple months ago gave her life to Jesus Christ, you know, uh, and that, I want to hear that kind of stuff. And so I don't know how we're going to pull a baptismal in here, but we're baptizing her, you know, <laughs> and she can run, but you can't, you can't hide. <laughs> no, 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 I'm teasing. But I mean, then I just heard the story of somebody leading to somebody, uh, their, their dad to Christ, you know, and I just... Man, I, I just believe that's going to happen. And when we start looking to launch this thing for the public around here, um, uh, we're, we're going to want to be, you know, ready, you know, for that kind of thing to happen, to know what to do with people who do receive Jesus. Um, you're also going to expect here integrity and accountability and stewardship of all resources. I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again. Because sometimes, you know, uh, people maybe not hear it. I'm not motivated at all by money or by the sale of this building. I just got to tell you, you know, um, I've been around too long and I've been on some large settings where I could tell you right now, man, once you, st I call it the edifice complex. <laughs> you start thinking the building is the most important thing and it's not. You are. God's people are. The people who surround this place are the most important people. And so as it relates to resources, as long as we steward them well, and let me tell you what that means. That means we use all our resources to reach as many people for Jesus Christ as we possibly can. And to create an environment where we can grow together and be affirmed and be taught and go ye therefore into the world. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, uh, I'm in this and, and for people, not for, for so, so, so even though we have an incredible opportunity coming our way, and I'm getting to know that, the intricacies of all of that, we're very fortunate to have a couple of men um, who are helping us through this. Um, but you, you need to know that ultimately, the most important um, uh, amount of accountability and stewardship of our resources is our people. But when we have financial and facilities, you know, God, God tells us to respect that, to honor that, not to worship it. Um, and so we'll, we will not be good stewards, we'll be great stewards. And how? 
And remember how I brought up bring them in, build them up, train them for, send them out last week? That's exactly what we're going to spend our money on. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you when it comes to budget. You know, we, we want to reach people for Jesus. We, we want the resources to help build them up. We want to train them. What is some training? And then we want to send them out. And all of those resources are going to be what's going to make up the corpus of our budget. So it's purposeful, and it's aligned with God's word. Does that make sense to you, know, to you all? Now, again, I know this is kind of like a family talk, uh, um, but, but I, I just want, again, you to hear my heart. Um, here's another expectation is, is this, that um, we will do everything we can to equip you to live out your purpose in your life. Every one of you has spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that in a second. But every single one of you have spiritual gifts, and God wants some of you don't even know what they are. Sometimes you can go through an entire Christian life, and nobody's put their armor on you. So you know what your spiritual gift is? And help you not only find that gift, but operate in that gift in your workplace, in your family, you know, in a church situation. But when you know what your purpose is and you know the gifts that God's given you and it's been affirmed, watch out. Because God will use you in ways you've never dreamed of before. And so, you know, you know so when I say be equipped for ministry, this isn't some ploy to say, um, you better be ready, man. You know, you're going to work hard, <laughs> really hard. Uh, no. Um, it's an honor to be in service, you know, to God. And it's our responsibility, uh, I believe, leadership responsibility to help um, equip people for ministry in their life and, and in their church. Um, being empowered and challenged to grow. Uh, oh, you know, that's one thing. I know some people will say, man, every once in a while, some people say, oh, that pastor, man, he's, there he goes again. He's asking something else of us, you know. All I want you to do is grow, <laughs> grow in Jesus, you know, and then the rest takes care of itself. You know, uh, we, we don't, Matt and I don't, don't have to try to find people to, to volunteer, you know, uh, um, but it just begins to just rub up. Um, and, and when you go through a transition, you go through the pandemic. My heart goes out to every church because people are just off their game, you know, and it's, it's, it's now we're face to face and we're back in there and then you have a different, you know, uh, set of leaders and, uh, but don't worry, I'll be, I'll be gentle, you know, on you, but I, 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 I really think that a healthy church is a church that, that operates, as I've said before, in teams. And so as we develop gifts, then, you know, what, what is, how can we develop teams with you there? Not, not to tire you out, because I know you're busy, and I know this culture well. Um, but so we can see, you know, revival take place, you know, in this community and beyond. Um, forgiveness and acceptance and failure. Um, I, I am not the leader, and I never have been the leader that shoots the wounded. <laughs> and you've heard that term over and over again. Bottom line is we all fall. We all sin, and we fall short of the glory of God. And, it's, and that's not cheap grace that we're talking about here because there is accountability for our actions. But there is this, this extension of God's grace that says, hey, man, get back up. You know, you, you may need to be in the penalty box you know, for a little bit, and I'm teasing on that one. But you may, you may need to, to stay back from ministry for a little bit, or you just need to rest. But when time comes, you know, there will be times when you, you'll be able to jump right back in and serve. 
you know. Um, but in the meantime, we want to be there for you as you walk through these failures. And we all do. I love what James says. He says, what does he say? He said, uh, and I think this is in a small group, by the way, um, a smaller group. He says, pray for each other, lay hands on each other. Remember what he says? And what happens? You know, confess your sins to one another. And what happens? That you might be healed. And we have too little of that body ministry. It's because we're usually judging people who have failed versus picking them up and saying, okay, what did you learn? What are the learnings? You know, um, and let's see what God says about this. And then nurse them back to healing, spiritual healing. That's a tall order, folks. But that's what he calls the church to do. Um, and, and, and especially the leadership of the church. Um, and so what about this next one? Practical help for healthy family relationship. I don't need to tell you, and I know it's cliche, but as the family goes, so does our society. And we need to make a substantial investment, intentional strategy in, into reaching out to young and established families. And if those of you are here, our grandparents, you say, well, I've already been through that gig. You're exactly the person who can help us through this next thing because we need mentors. There are so many, I, I was thinking about my father few days ago my father was this uh, he was a pilot and he flew all these fancy jets and then he he when he would retire from the air force he, he worked for the state department and he was gone all the time and and so i i could say effectively i was raised without a dad because he was gone now do i, I love him with all my heart but i really didn't have an example now i had a full-blooded italian mother and uh, and that italian mother she carried this little stick, you know, because she had four boys and one girl. And I don't know how she did this, but it was kind of a laser-guided stick. And so if we ever got ourselves into trouble, she would say, did you want the stick? And, and you know, I mean, I can remember as a teenager going, no, not the stick, not the stick. And, and so we would play games on her, like, by then we knew we could outrun her. Uh, and she had this, but... I don't know how she did it, and she only did it one time, and, um, and it defied the laws of physics, but she threw the spoon. No, she wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't have anger issues, although we gave her a lot of reasons to have anger. She threw the spoon, and no kidding, there, you know, here's the hallway, and then here's another way. So, you know, if you throw the spoon too hard, you're going to hit the back of the wall. Well, we're like three or four feet, and she threw that spoon. And she must have had a spin on it. I don't know what it, but it went around the corner and it hit my, my, my brother right in the chest. And it was then that we realized that my mom was not a, 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 an ordinary mom. You know what I mean? No, no. But, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was mythical. You know? And so we, you know, when she passed away, we all told our version of the story. And of course, by then, she was like the female Thor. You know, uh, uh, but, but one of the things that I realized when I got into ministry is, is that I was my mom and she was enough, she was enough, but I really didn't know how to be a father. And thank the Lord I married this young lady, you know, um, and I married up like most of us do. And, and, and she, her dad was a godly man who, who was the, just the incredible image of what a, what a human dad is, you know, and, and for the longest time, I mean, he would, he'd be the kind of guy that would hold his hands with his wife, you know, he was married 34 years, and 
kisser. You know, I don't think there was any wet kissing going on, but it was close. And I'm thinking, Ugh. you know, is, is this real? You know, and, and sure enough, it was all real. And, and, but I learned so much about how, how to be a dad through him. And I can tell you, our culture needs to see dads and moms. And so when we start praying some of the, the harvest in here, we start seeing young and established families come in. Trust me when I tell you this, that's probably going to be one of the more fascinating ministry opportunities that all of us are going to have, just, just to present a mentor, you know, to them. Um, and so um, we, will, we will look, when we, when we start building our staff at children's ministries and student adult ministries, uh, and we won't forget who God is here, you know, which, which are you. And so, but it's really important to hand that baton of faith down to the next generation. And um, I think I told the story, and if I did, forgive me. I told the story about when, when I was uh, um, uh, my first senior pastor. It was, it was uh, actually my second senior pastor. It was in Santa Cruz, California. And there was a church roughly the size. And I came in with a vision on reaching the younger generation. Average age was 70. Uh, we had 70 parking spots, and the church was 70. So there was a lot of sevens in there. But, um, and I got in there, I said, we're going to reach young and established families. And they all laughed, you know. And, and I said, and you're going to be the biggest part of that. And they laughed harder. Uh, and so finally, you know, as the church started growing, um, you know, what we realized is that we had 70-plus old people in, in our student ministries doing youth in our children's ministries. And so they stepped up. And I remember saying something. And I came from a church of 2,000, you know, that was, like, young, you know, and, like, as, as on a university, right next to a university campus. And so I had friends come. They said, man, I like your team. And they, they, they basically, like, rolled their eyes. And I said, you haven't seen a team until you've seen this team. Well, fast forward, my son, uh, I invited him to hire our first pastoral staff member. And he was a youth pastor, and he was 26 years old. Did I tell you this story? Have I told you this story? Okay, good. He was 26 years old, and I wanted him to come with me because, you know, he, he had, you know, he was raised by seniors, basically, through ministry, children's and students at that church. So we finally had enough money where we could hire someone. So we did. And he was 26 years old, beautiful wife, beautiful baby. And, um, but I wanted him to be there. And so I took him out for like a, just a, just to get his opinion, you know. And so we went out, I think we went to some ice cream place. And then afterwards, you know, he met the guy, asked him some of his questions. I think my son was like 14 years old. My son's an engineer. So he was asking me questions like, how can Jesus be his own son when he was eight? And so I would always say, well, you know, that's a great question. Ask mom. But, um, but in, in this particular time, um, uh, after we dropped him off at his hotel, uh, I said, well, so what did you think? This, this is the, our first hire. And he goes, he goes, how old is he, Dad? And I said, well, he's 26. What does he know? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, he's, he's a kid, Dad, you know, uh, and, and he referred to the people who were discipling him in their 70s. One of the, one of the names of, of these incredible saints, most of them are with God now, was her name was Thelma, and he just loved that name, Thelma. 
But, you know, and there was another lady, no kidding, named Beulah. You know, I mean, so you, this is, you know, you know the age, you know, and, 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 and so, but that, they were the ones who discipled my kids. And to this day, you know, you ask them who are the most influ- influential people in their life. I would love for them to say dad, you know, and, and I think they, they would say dad, you know. But uh, I know they will, just in case you, there's no self-doubt here. Uh, no, but you know what it is? They throw out names like Thelma and Beulah because they spent time with them, and it, it really revolutionized how I thought about student and children's ministries because sometimes we get the youngest people to oversee the things, and they're clueless, you know? And, and, and in our world, we can't afford, you know, to have a guy or a gal guess at how to do ministry. And so I'm perfectly used to seeing that happen. Now, I'm, don't be afraid. I'm not going to say, okay, could you watch over the middle school people because you may not live through that experience um but there is this practical help you know healthy family relationships that's so essential in church here's another expectation a commitment to serve locally and globally um remember all of these emanate out of the bring them in build them up train the force them out um and what i mean by serving and listen closely to this I mean a cup of cold water type of physical aid, an encouraging word, coaching, you know, mentoring, those types of things. Uh, um, And I would love to see people on a board in a city, you know, uh, or in, you know, for a nonprofit that that helps a city, you know, uh, create this uh, health, yeah, and and so we're 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 serving, and we're making a difference. And and right now you're thinking, okay, now he wants me to do nursery, middle school, <laughs> serve in a community. Well, just bear with me, you know. Um, but I, I think if again, if people know that you exist outside of seeing a building, you know, um, the chances of us reaching people. In other words, the vision statement on a website means absolutely nothing to a community. You know, we are the biggest marketing tools, you know, and what I mean by that is what we do to help serve our community makes a big difference, big, big difference. Um, I don't need to, to go any further on that, but here's, here's where I want you to listen. Number 10, a, a commitment to local and global evangelism. Now you say, well, what's the difference? huge difference there are a lot of churches that serve their community unfortunately there's not a lot of uh, churches that know how to reach people for jesus and so i'm not saying that that cup of cold water can't can't eventually lead can be the entry point for somebody to say wow these people care but what god calls us to do is to make disciples and so evangelism and serving the community are radically two different things and usually churches, when they get involved in serving, they think that's evangelism. Well, listen, if nobody gets saved, that's probably one of the reasons why you know it's not. You know, it's a, that's a hint. If they never step into the building, probably another reason why you would think that it's not evangelism. And so that, again, scares people. And I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about the New Testament. I'm not talking about what I want or what you want. These are all, all based on biblical principles. And so as we grow together, is it going to happen overnight, Matt? No. (laughs) 
but but again, like this premarital counseling. Well, you know, we're kind of married now. So I mean, I think, so it's a, now now I'm talking about expectations, about what you can expect out of out of leadership here. Um, and so I believe with all my heart that there are so many people he, in this community that need Jesus, and that this church can just be more than a lighthouse. It, it can be you know a major source of evangelistic, seeing people one to Jesus Christ. The Bible says what one one person, one person alone, you know, uh, receives Christ, all of heaven rejoices. And I would love for it to be that there's a party in heaven 24-7 <laughs> as a result of this church. Um, that's why I'm so excited to hear your story. You know, I mean, it's just, it's never too late. You know, to ask people about Jesus, it's never too late, you know what I mean, to surrender to Christ. I know that particularly in ethnic-based denominations and movements, there are a lot of people who go to church because, you know, there, there is a, it's a community that they can belong to. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they cross over the threshold and have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I've been in a few board meetings where I saw that firsthand. You know, <laughs> they weren't believers, but they were on a board because they were the ones who were the most active. Uh, um, and so, so I, you know, I, I believe and I feel this with all my heart, man, God's going to use this place to win people to Jesus. And we're going to have baptisms. You know, um, we're going to have to figure out where to put one. But we'll, we'll have them. Um, here, here's the... Um, the last thing, and I'll just skim over this. A consistent diet of change and face-stretching opportunities. Some of this is going to be a little, you know, it's, we're not going to change every week, but we may change the whole paradigm. You know, the ethos of this place is going to look radically different, you know, in, in two years than it does right now. And that shouldn't scare you because it should be filled with joy and new life and new wineskins and an opportunity to plug into a purpose that God always intended for this church. So I, 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 I there's something about this place, you know, and, and, and I feel it. And, I, and so when Harrison affirms it, and many of you have done that, I believe it. And I know there's been a lot of things. You've probably heard that a hundred times from a pastor. But man, I, and this, this, I'm here because I, I want to make sure that we steward the calling of this church into this community. And so this, that's a very, very important thing. So listen very closely when I say this. Um, so right now we're looking. I'm going to be here. We're going to build a, a, a teaching team. I'm not going to be here every Sunday because I can't be. But I, I am personally going to be responsible for the, for the direction of this church. And I've already said this as well, that if it's God who wants me here, you know, until Jesus comes back, you know, then I'm going to listen, you know. Um, I'm perfectly okay with being here, helping build, you know, some infrastructure systems, getting to know you, get some body ministry going. At the same time, you know, I'll recruit somebody who I know understands the Bay Area, not who we think understands the Bay Area. And they're not going to be bound by being an FMC person. These, they'll have to line up with our theology, but somebody who loves people first and loves their community enough to do something to reach them out. So it may be that I'll be here for a short time and then I'll be shoulder to shoulder with someone, you know, um, but I'm not letting go even after, you know, and, and that could be to plant or to replant, if I'm more accurate, to reconstitute. 
But none of that's going to happen without you. And so that's why I wanted to be, I want to, I want to see who you are, you know, because I believe God has a godly core here. And I don't expect everybody to jump in, you know, for all the services, all the service types of things that we're doing, because we, they're not here yet, but that's where we're going. And, and so, again, you know, we didn't do the premarital counseling because you probably felt like I did. Hey, oh, Jason's, Jason's the guy now? You know, I mean, where, where was all the prelude? And that's the clunkiness of how we appoint people. It's, quite frankly, we have to change it. But now that I'm here, I wanted to take one step back and at least share that with you. Now, one thing that I did not do the whole time that I shared, I just shared my heart with you. I did not. I can back everything I set up with Scripture, and you'll see it. Because I'm, everything I'm talking about, I'm putting in a little book. And when we do have visitors, we're gonna, I'm going to meet with them personally. And then I'm going to take them through what kind of church this is. And so um, um, this is kind of, that's why I say this is that leadership church. And I want to speak to you as just mature believers, you know, with this. Um, But the second set, and we're not going to get into this set because I was too long-winded. Again, you know, um, but where it's, I wanted to include a few statements here that I think are really important for us. And so I'll read through them, and then I'm going to teach them the next time that I'm here. Okay, so that's what you can expect out of us. So here's what we should expect out of each other. Okay, Um, and this is, and I'll just share this with you. And again, I'll go back and I'll hit everything that we need to hit. Um, Here's what we should expect for all of us. Uh, The first thing is that we are all here, and that we should expect each other to protect the unity of this church. Um, the, The enemy would love to discourage. You know, he would love, you know what I mean, to, to divide. He would love, and by the way, in, 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 you know, through the pandemic, I, we've seen more division in churches, you know, because people are just, I mean, they're, they're tired, fed up, wondering what just happened. They're, some of them are sick. Pastors are discouraged. But we need to protect ourselves against that. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, um, first of all, by acting in love, um, with, with each other. I mean, when people walk through this, and you do this, by the way, this is the thing I, I've always told people ever since I've ever been here, you're a friendly bunch. You know, this is, you can tell that there's some great community here. And it makes a, it makes a big difference for me coming in, but it makes even a bigger difference than a visitor who, who just wants to know somebody cares. And, and, and so, you know, going, going through the scripture, don't worry, I'm not going to go through all, all of the scripture verses, but I will, like I say, come back and teach. First um, Peter, what does it tell us? He says, he says, now that you're purified, I love this, now love each other, love one another deeply, you know, and, and, and I love that, because that's part of the, of the sanctification process. As part of your discipleship, as you're growing as a disciple, is that now that you've been forgiven, now you know, part of the outworking of that, and this is the fruit of the spirit of love. And if, and if that's evident in this place, then, then nothing can stop that. Um, and so we protect the unity of this church by acting in love towards other members, by resolving conflicts according to Matthew chapter 18. And we'll talk on that in detail. Um, and that, that's where there's going to be conflict, but how do we deal with conflict? Well, Matthew says, hey, you know, uh, if somebody sins, go to them, you know, 
And if they continue to sin, bring somebody with, with them. And if they continue to do that, then there's consequences for that. But, but that needs to be front center because I've never been in a church that didn't have conflict. You know? um, but um, and then with that, it says protect the unity of this church by following the leaders of the church. Now, let, let me tell you, I love, I love what Hebrews 13 says. He says, follow these people. And remember, they have to give account for their leadership. So it isn't like follow them to buy them a Ferrari, you know, or, or to shine their shoes. It's follow them because there is a thing called biblical authority. And if you want to buck that, argue with God. But I love what it says. They will be accountable. <laughs> and so you're not just blindly following anybody. There's accountability. And that's one of the reasons why a denomination is a very important umbrella to have is that there's always somebody who is who is holding pastors accountable and and that is getting better in the pcjc than it has ever been um and so like do we really need to get out of here at at, at 10 o'clock can, can i go a little longer okay good um so protect the unity of the church by acting in love towards other members by resolving conflict according to matthew 18 and by following your leaders. And listen to this. Not only do we protect the unity, but we also support the testimony of this church. This is big. Um, by attending faithfully. God's word says, do not forsake the gathering. It's important to be in fellowship with each other. I hated the pandemic. I can't stand Zoom, you know, uh, um, anymore. It's not my friend. But at least it's a way to connect us through this weird time that we're in. But so, so let me just tell you this. Don't, don't only come when I'm speaking. Um, come when anybody is speaking. And we'll figure all this out as we continue to build. Um, uh, and I tell you right now, I, I do take attendance. I don't judge. But I just want to know who the foot soldiers are. And, and, and I really believe that if you're going to be in leadership on any, any, People need to see who you are, and you, you need to be released to minister to people as well. Not in some legalistic, weird way, but because you've got something to offer. Um, by attending faith, by giving regularly. Uh, I mean, I don't need to preach a sermon on tithing. You mean, you, you, you already know it. You give our first fruits to God. And, and, and I tell you, the responsibility of leadership here is have a vision that is worth, you know, that kind of commitment. And so that's why I talk about the Great Commission, because we're giving to a Great Commission church, not somebody's idea of what a church should be. It's God's idea. Um, but I live in a godly life. I, I love what, um, what Ephesians 4.1, Paul tells us, he says, you know, n now that you've, um, and this is almost like a brother, you know, t uh, talking. Um, but I want to make sure I get the exact way he says this. He says, live according to your calling. And I, because believe it or not, when you become a Christian, you're, you're called to him, and then you're called to what is pleasing to him. We serve at his behest. We're part of his team. Um, but ultimately, if we act one way here, and, and we act, you know, and it's easier to do that in a larger city, you know, and then be somebody completely different out there, then it hurts the cause of Christ. It hurts the reputation of the church. And it hurts the fabric and the mosaic that he's creating here in this church. And so that's why we need to be in accountability. 
you know, is, is that we hold each other accountable. Again, not in some weird way, but, um, but man, li- live the same way that you do on the outside as you do here. Love your smiles. But I've been around long enough to know that smile usually ends as soon as they leave. Uh, um, and God wants this thing to be 24-7. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, here, here's some other expectations of it. To serve the ministry of the church by discovering your spiritual gifts and your talents. You know you have spiritual gifts. I already know you have talents. And how does that work together, again, to drive? I'm going to be here for five more minutes regardless, but it makes sense. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to get a couple of times with you guys. Um, but, but with this being said, uh, that's what we want to do is help you discover what your gift is. I want to come beside you. You'll see when we start doing some teaching on gifting, what is it and how can it be used? Um, we're, we're here to serve the ministry of our church by, by being equipped to serve. Have an open heart and an open mind. We know how smart we think we are, and I'm talking about me. <laughs> but never lose, leaders are learners. Never lose that capacity, you know, to say, man, what else can I learn? What else can I learn? And that way we learn for a lifetime. How many of us will know everything before we get to heaven? You know, none of us. But when we get there, we're going to find out how much we didn't know. You know what I mean? And so just have that open heart of, of, of being fed um, develop a servant's heart is the way you can serve it. Now, I want you to start thinking about how, what are ways you can serve. Again, timing to me isn't the issue. It's what God's doing in our heart. It could take a couple months. It could take a couple years. Um, the last thing that I want to show over here is share the responsibility of, your, uh, of, of this church um, by praying for its growth. And I'm not just talking. And Paul says, pray. I, I pray for you all the time that you understand the treasures and the depth of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and that's how I pray for you all the time. So it isn't just the growth. I'm not a mega church guy. Weird thing. I've been in them. I've built them. It means zero. Seeing what God's doing on a local level like this is the most exciting thing in the church. Because hurrah, he started with 12, right? You know, then boom. You know, uh, so it's his prerogative how large this church, you know, grows. But it's ours if we're open to grow. Um, and so I pray for your growth. Inviting the unchurched to attend. <laughs> you know, Luke talks about this big party. And this is my last point. The next point is my last point. It, where Jesus says, bring them in. Invite them all. Come on. The problem is that uh, um, most of us do not have uh, enough uh, non-Christian friends to know how to invite. Or maybe they, we don't feel comfortable with them in this place. But I will tell you this. You know, I'm always going to pray that you open up your eyes to see who those people are who can be invited. You know, they're, they're lost and they need Jesus. And then uh, lastly is warmly welcoming those um, who, who do visit. And, and so we, in a sense, we're kind of right at the very beginning. These are the kind of covenants that, that are biblical covenants to protect the unity of this church, to support the testimony of this church, to serve the ministries of the church, and to share the responsibility. And if we can do that, we're going to see some serious renewal and revival. So the last two teachings, that's one and the last one, they're kind of a companion pack just kind of unload what church will look like and, and what a church should be. And then we'll start getting to some, you know, uh, some teaching that talks on real practical levels, you know, for us. But thank you. We're late. 
um, Jason talked too much again. But um, the next time we'll have some new fruit for you, some, some new teaching for you. And I've already given the announcement, uh, Harrison, about uh, um, Benjamin Robinson is going to be here in two weeks live. He, I've already said he's one of the greatest communicators I've ever met. And he, I bragged about this church, and so he's going to be here. And you're just going to really enjoy him. And we're going to start using some of his teaching um, because right now Kotz is, is on sabbatical. We got, we got one more time with Kotz. He's on sabbatical. Benjamin will come in. And, and so I'll start developing more and more of this teaching team, as I've said. Amen? 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 All right. Well, God bless you.